You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome to Bears Over Beers a special edition as I am joined by three Bears riders on location in Bourbon A for Bears training camp. Let's go around the room and have everybody introduce themselves. So I'm EJ Schneider. I'm the lead draft analyst at Windy City Gridiron. I'm Robert Schmitz. Uh, my title is podcaster, so there you go. I'm Jonathan Wood, a writer for the Bears blog. And I'm Jeff Burkus. And I'm a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I am going to crack a beer here. We're all drinking the same beer today in honor of Robert bringing this up all the way from Dallas, Texas. So I'm going to let Robert describe this beer. Absolutely. I can talk about it. So this is one of my favorites. Uh, there are a lot of good Texas beers out there. The one that's most notable is going to be Shiner, which is made in Shiner, Texas. A uh, really great little dark beer. It's not too dark, but... What I've got today is one of my personal favorites from a smaller Dallas brewery called Revolver Blood and Honey. Now, I don't know, I'm being, I'm only 24, I'm a fairly young gun, so a lot of the bigger words that EJ and Jeff like to use about beer kind of flow right over my head, so I just read the back of the label. It is a deep golden ale brewed and malted with two row barley and wheat finished with a blood orange peel and Texas honey, uh, as, as well as a blend of spices. I think it's really good. Uh, it's one of my personal favorites, and so I brought a six-pack, and these two are going to get to try it. All right, let's open them up. Young Gun, Revolver. Yeah. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. I have to throw as many Texas references in as possible without <laughs> mentioning the teams that play there, because nobody wants to talk about the Cowboys. It does have two revolvers on the front. First taste is pretty solid. Uh, kind of tastes like a little bit like a wit, I guess. Uh with that blood orange peel, nice nice spices. So, yeah, I can dig that. That's pretty nice after the hot day that we just endured on the <laughs> practice field. Uh, definitely uh, middle of summer, training camp vibes with, with the heat on the bleachers. But we got to see a lot of really good stuff. It was not a padded practice, so it was just, uh, just helmets. But we got to see a lot of good stuff. And I just kind of want to start by going around the room and just first impressions of maybe what stood out to you, single player, uh, type of play, what you know, any sort of observation that you'd like to share to start off? Probably looking at Mitch Trubisky. Um, given how he looked last year, and again, I wasn't here in person last year, but the reports were that he was having a much tougher time adapting to the new offense and his new offensive mates. Today he looked very, very sharp on the short to medium stuff. Uh, accuracy was right there. Command of the huddle seemed to be absolutely where it needs to be. So again, that those are all things we've heard intimated that Trubisky was going to do this year. Looks like on first pass, he passed that test. First day, non-padded practice, but if he had been wild today, I think it would have aroused a little bit of reaction or suspicion. And instead, he was right where he needed to be, doing the things he needed to be. So that's probably the biggest and first. Uh, we got to see some kicking, which um, <laughs> we'll talk about a little later in depth, but uh, it was generally positive. We'll give you that tiny spoiler. 
Uh, and then I spent a lot of time watching running backs and wide receivers today, so I'll talk a lot more about that than I will about the defensive side of the ball. I'll spend some more time on that tomorrow. But. Yeah, uh, I'll open up with another quick impression. I'll pass any Trubisky thoughts I have off to Jonathan because he was there last year, so he can actually vouch for what Trubisky's differences looked like because Mitch looked fine today. But one thing that stuck out to me, uh, you said something positive, EJ, so I'll go with something negative. Mike Davis looked a lot worse than I was hoping he would. Uh, That's not to say he looked outright bad just yet, because it's not a padded practice, and we're not seeing how this guy's going to play with the pads on, which obviously is what counts. But comparing him to Cohen, who is obviously a quickness and footwork god among men, uh, and comparing him even to people like David Montgomery, whose balance looked phenomenal, his ability to cut and change directions was outstanding, His even comparing him to guys like Kareth White and Ryan Nall, he just looked a little bit slow, and he dropped the most passes out of any of the running backs, which is one of his calling cards as, at the moment in the offense. I don't know, really underwhelmed with Mike Davis. Jonathan? I'll go back to the positive side here and say that uh, I was really impressed with Bradley's soul. Um, I paid a close attention to the tight ends today. I was interested in him and Shaheen. And honestly, I expected Sowell to look like an offensive lineman trying to transition to tight end, like look out of place, you know, a little bigger and clunkier than everybody. But he didn't. Like he was about the same size as Shaheen, who himself is slimmed down from last year. His body, Sowell, Sowell's body is completely transformed. And he moved pretty well, looked pretty natural catching the ball. Again, no pads, but... For him, it was moving in space was the big test that I was watching for, and I think he looked really good today. That was a pleasant surprise. It'll be interesting to see what happens with contact strength and his ability to take a hit uh, when he catches one of those short passes because he they did target him quite a bit in those in those seven on seven drills or even the full team drills. Uh, I think my takeaway impression was uh, I liked what I saw from Duke Shelley. Looks like he's ready to compete. Looks like he belongs out there. That's really exciting uh, in that secondary. A guy that we can hopefully potentially see on the field this year, or particularly groom into the future uh, to play one of those corner spots. Really, really exciting there. And then I just have to mention that uh, first team offensive line came out and James Daniels was snapping the ball and Whitehair was at guard. So we heard a lot of rumors about that, but the first time we actually saw the team come out, that's how they lined up. Very exciting for me to see that um, all five come together. So when, when, uh, when you watch practice, you know, they go through those individual drills, then they go through seven-on-seven, seven, and then they bring the whole team together. And I think we were all trying to watch different stuff. We were all pretty much lined up right when uh, the, the whole team was practicing together. And there's just a ton of guys getting different reps. Did you guys notice anybody either getting reps with the first team that surprised you or getting reps on the second team that surprised you uh, or maybe getting a chance to play with Trubisky with the ones? It's not a surprise, but Javon Wims was the clear number two behind Allen Robinson at that spot. Um, Robinson took the first rep um, at the outside wide receiver spot every time, and Wims stepped right up as a number two every time. Um, That's not terribly surprising to us, uh, but I think a lot of folks out there, if you said Javon Wims was clearly at number two, uh, backing up somebody that we're expecting a lot of production out of in the offense this year, some people might might sort of shift their head at that. Other than that, I'm trying to think about who we saw later on. That was probably the biggest one, is Wims being a solid number two. And we will mention that Riley Ridley uh, was out. He had a hamstring issue, so we didn't get to see him. I was looking forward to seeing what kind of routes he could run. So a little disappointed he wasn't out there. Obviously he is too, but uh, hopefully he'll get back in short order. 
Yeah, one that really surprised me, um, at the end they were doing some two-minute drill stuff with the first-team offense against the first-team defense, and in general rotated a lot of guys through on the skill positions, which I think illustrates the depth they have at a lot of those spots. But um, Ian, sorry I'm blanking on his name. Bunting. Yes, Ian Bunting, the undrafted tight end uh, from Cal was uh, getting a lot of reps with the ones um, over Dax Raymond, who was the one that like fans were more excited about, uh, signed as an undrafted free agent. So I thought that was interesting. He seemed to be uh, a little bit ahead there in the race for the potential fifth tight end spot or a practice squad spot. I know one thing that caught me a bit off guard, especially with Riley Ridley's injury, I expected to see more. So I've been vocal that I thought Cordero Patterson is a running back, uh, or might as well be. But he wasn't practicing with the running backs today. He was practicing with the wide receivers. So it did catch me a bit off guard that the guy who we just signed for about $5 million a year was clearly with the twos all day long. I didn't see him get much reps with the ones, certainly not as a wide receiver. Generally, you had the obvious guys like Anthony Miller. You had uh, you had Allen Robinson, Tanner, uh, Taylor Gabriel, Tanner Gentry even got some <laughs> random shots with the ones. So it's worth mentioning that the 11-on-11 and 7-on-7 drills were very strange because there were some guys who technically were on the field with the ones, but they were never going to get targeted. A whole lot of Cohen. A whole lot of Robinson. And we can talk more about that later. But Patterson was never on the field with the ones, where it certainly didn't seem that way. That may be him setting up for a transition to running back. I don't know, because I don't live inside Nagy's mind. But it did sort of catch me off guard that with an injury to Riley Ridley, Patterson wasn't the first guy up. It might be worth mentioning to you uh, camp freaks that Tanner Gentry made an excellent play along the <laughs> sidelines. And so if you guys want to start the buzz... For the Tanner Gentry train, you're you're free to do so because he has made one amazing camp play already. Well, let's let's start at the top with quarterbacks though, uh, because we had three guys taking reps today. Obviously Mitchell Trubisky, obviously Chase Daniel, and then Tyler Bray, who's familiar with the system and, and has come back. Uh, I saw a lot of really good throws out of Mitchell Trubisky, and I saw a lot of good deep throws out of Chase Daniel that really impressed me. I saw a lot of throws that looked like Tyler Bray throws out of Tyler Bray. <laughs> which is fine. <clears throat> kind of looks like he's throwing a shot put. But um, were there any particular routes that, and again, we're in shells. Uh, it's, you know, it's the first day of, of public practice, but was there a, a throw that stood out to any of you guys that is worth commenting on to get excited about? Uh, Trubisky threw one in the middle of the field that the receiver was falling down, and he threw it. He ended up, he threw it at his stomach, but with him falling down, it was headed right for his head. And if he hadn't caught it, it would have knocked him out. I mean, it literally probably would have been the classic football movie, football lodges in the face mask thing. So Mitch was definitely throwing center of mass today. And did have some throws out there from actually all three quarterbacks that faded a bit in the wind. Wind picked up a little bit. We saw some throws where people had to wait, turn around. But it's, again, it's the first day of camp, um, out live in front of everybody. So I wouldn't put too much stock in that. But getting back to what you said about Tyler Bray, kind of reinforces to me the idea I'd like to see them get a true developmental number three in the system because I don't I don't really think Tyler Bray is going to bring them a lot or give them a lot and at this point you pointed out to me that he's been in the league six years um, that seemed a little high but actually about right when I went back and thought about it and it's just not a spot they're going to get anything out of there's no leverage there 
I'm with you. Chase Daniel had some really nice throws. I'm feeling pretty good about the number two spot, that sort of true clip holder behind Trubisky. We talked a little about, a bit about Trubisky at the top of the show. But that number three spot I'd like to see upgraded because I just don't think Tyler Bray is going to give a lot. And for those, you know, come on, training camp storylines. Oh, the number three quarterback we got to talk about. So I'll be the first to say that originally first impressions out of camp I was a little bit underwhelmed with Trubisky. I've been really high on the guy, wanted to see some crazy wild throws, and I didn't get to see any of the deep shots that are, you know, the ones that are sexy and you put them all over places, and it's like, this guy's going to be incredible. But one thing that missed me originally that I had to take a second and think about was how automatic Mitch was from that short to medium range. He had almost no bad throws under 20 yards. Certainly under 10 yards, everything was right where it had to be, right when it had to be. Little hesitation, balls right where they should be on any wheel route, screen pass, curl route, anything. The ball really helped out. The the ball placement really helped out the receivers. Yes, it's camp. Yes, nobody's trying to kill them. But it was good to see that Mitch was able to get more consistent in that part of his game. Because, heck, even if the deep stuff remains inconsistent, what if? Uh, that short to medium range is going to allow Nagy to run tons of his offense and get the ball into hands of playmakers all over the field as long as Mitch can continue to never or to at least keep away from the passes where a screen pass sails wildly over the guy's head and you end up with an incompletion that should have been four to five yards. Yeah, that was something that really stood out to me today. Um, I went to a practice at camp last year towards the end of camp where they had had a few weeks of install on this and walked, walked away from that really struck by just how disjointed everything looked with Trubisky trying to run it, and the balls were coming out late, he was hesitating. There was absolutely none of that today. I was watching when they were doing the two-minute drills at the end. Every single time when the clock was running, they were lined up ready to snap the ball in eight seconds or less, so the play clock's still at 32 seconds or more. Um, his passes were out on time. He was actually more decisive in the pocket than Daniels was, who took, or Daniel, sorry, um, Took too long finding a guy sometimes. Mitch was fast through his reads, didn't really make a bad read all day, even if he missed on a couple deep throws. Um, just mentally, the progression there was huge. Today, he was clearly the best quarterback on the field, and I could not say that last year. And it's worth mentioning that when you say misses on deep throws, and when I say misses on deep throws, it just means that the ball was a little bit underthrown. It was actually still catchable, and the receivers did catch plenty of them. There weren't any of the wild overthrows that I'm sure every Bears fan heard about last season where it was just not possible for Superman to catch the ball. In this case, the balls were debatably interceptable in that they were underthrown, but receivers had plenty of space, and Allen Robinson even pulled one in on a one-on-one that was, the throw wasn't incredible, but hey, in the NFL, that's a completion. If it's not an amazing throw, but the receiver's way open and the corner has to overcommit, that's a completion. You can't take a billion of them or the corners will start to figure it out, but you take with the bad with the good, and at least he's getting the ball to his receivers and can start to tune it up from there. That's probably a good thing to mention is that they did two one-on-ones where literally everybody's off the field except for one wide receiver, one corner. The first one was a deep throw to Allen Robinson, and Kyle Fuller was in coverage, and Robinson beat him off the line. Fuller was two, three steps behind him, and Trubisky underthrew it. Robinson had to come back to it, caught it, and the defense had to do push-ups. The next time was Gabriel versus Prince, 
and it looked like he was either trying to make a double move or he cut it off short and did an out route and Mitch didn't find him and it was incomplete and so the offense did push-ups and so I I really like that kind of okay one-on-one beat your guy Uh, if the offense wins defense has to do push-ups and vice versa that was a really fun element that was a little bit of a highlight for me was to watch it I could watch that stuff all day Uh, but but that was really great to get those two moments that that was that was a highlight for me there's one good throw to the corner, far end zone down by the pro shop, that fade corner out that he threw where he worked the wide receiver. You turned to me and said, that was a nice ball. He worked the wide receiver away from the cornerback, leading him with his throw. It was still well in bounds, easily catchable. Guy was open. I think it was Mitch that threw that ball. Yeah. And that was a really nice throw. Was that down. the one to Gabriel? I think no, was, that was in the other end zone. He had a beautiful one to Gabriel that dropped right over the defensive mm-hmm. back's arms, but I think they ruled that Gabriel only got one foot down. But it was a perfect throw, 25 yards down the field, right to the corner of the oh, end yeah. zone. Yeah, I think it was Miller that caught the one that yeah, I was talking yeah. about. Um, but it was a great throw by Mitch because he saw that at the break for the sort of stem corner out, they were tight, and he was like, I'm just going to, I've got this much space. I'm going to put it out there, I'm going to work it away. Ball dropped perfectly right by the sideline, easy two-handed in, let the receiver break away from the defensive back, and it, that was just a thing of beauty. So that was one that stands out to me as a positive. There was one deep pass. It was either from Bray or Daniel that went to number 14, Thomas Ives, the uh, rookie out of Colgate. He was wide open. It looked like a blown coverage. I, I couldn't tell you who was on him. But I think there was probably four or five deep balls that got completed that were pretty nice, and that was one that stuck out because you're just like, oh, who's number 14 again? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, from Colgate. Ives pulled it. from the Patriot League. Yeah. <laughs> Ives pulled a double move on Michael Joseph, uh, second-year undrafted guy. Um, nobody within 10 yards of him when he caught that ball. That was ugly. Yeah, that was or pretty if you're the offense. <laughs> yeah, and I guess as we're meandering through the results of the eleven on eleven, we might as well mention that by the end of practice, for anybody who's saying, "Yeah, but what was the defense doing this whole time?" Starting uh, with the last thirty minutes or so of that eleven on eleven, Mac and Khalil Mack, who never got doubled and never got triple teamed, just started ripping up the Bears' offensive line. I mean, he was in the backfield every single play. That was something else. I, I can't get enough of watching him. He's basically chiseled out of granite. I got to get pretty <laughs> close to him in the autograph line. I did not get an autograph from him, uh, but I got really – he was right in front of me, uh, and the guy just is just built like a, like a brick house, and he is more impressive in person than he looks on TV, if you can believe it. He's, he's absolutely solid. Um, and, yes, he was jumping off the line and – and, uh, and beating the, the tackles with relative ease, and that's why you don't give single <laughs> blocking assignments <laughs> to your tackles when you when you face Khalil Mack, and that's why he gets held almost every play is because he is that good. It was very impressive. Yeah, something to be said for Leonard Floyd, too. He showed the trait that he had coming out of Georgia, and he's kept, and it's going to show up in a non-padded practice where, again, there's not a lot of scheming. Uh, it's more single matchups, but Floyd was in the backfield very quickly on a couple of snaps. One, I think Mitch had maybe made a two, two-and-a-half step drop, and Floyd was there. If, if they'd been tackling, that was a, a clean sack. So he showed up and flashed a little bit as well, not nearly as much as Mac and in different ways, but he still showed. And I know folks are looking for this year to be a leap for Floyd, and you know he looks like he's healthy, he looks like he's quick, um, and it's a balance to a wrecking ball on the other side. So that's a that's a good positive sign too. 
and give you guys just a little bit of a feel of what it's like to be in the stands. It's all Bears fans, obviously, unless there was a mole among us. But uh, it's all Bears fans. It's all decked out in navy and orange. It's a lot of fun. People are yelling random stuff to try to get the, the players' attention. Sometimes they'll they'll uh, give you a little bit. Um, but what I found interesting was it seemed like the Bears fans were rooting for the offense so much to the point where if some, there was like an incomplete pass or a play got blown up, it was like, oh, and there was this disappointment. And I'm like, but that's our defense, guys. That's our defense that did that. Like, it's always a win. Um, and so I thought that dichotomy was pretty interesting uh, to, to witness this, like, oh, no, we're rooting for the offense. And and uh, I thought that was, that was pretty fun. And I will mention, just to kind of balance it out, we saw Prince make a really nice break on a ball. With a with a really good uh, breakup with Trubisky uh, playing, and I, I again, I thought Duke Shelley looked like he belonged. I didn't watch Buster Buster screen as much. He's definitely much more uh, physical than uh, 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 Bryce Callahan, and so that'll be interesting to see if he is embraced. That's embraced by the, this coaching staff, or if uh, they ask him to maybe play a little bit more off. But I think that's his game. It's just he's going to get up and he's going to press you, and he's he's going to be in your face. Yeah, I don't think Screen's going to change his stripes. He's he's a physical player. That's his game. He's worked his way into the league that way. That's his comfort zone. You and I talked about this on the Corners episode, that you want your corners to play the way they want to play. And back to your point about Prince, he was in that second one-on-one with Gabriel, who is you know a very shifty player, and he played his game. His game is physical press bump, and he basically mashed that route. Now, looked like maybe a little bit of miscommunication with Trubisky. The ball wasn't thrown in a great place, but Gabriel never had the advantage over Mukamara in that rep. And again, it's that. Play your game, get up, be physical, get your hands on him. And Screen looks more like that than he does in contrast to somebody like Kyle Fuller, who's almost always going to play off. And I'll note that physical coverage style that both Prince and Screen like to play is a lot of what Pagano likes. Like you think of Baltimore's defense, where he came from, got schooled, was very much that approach. Um, You also think a lot of blitzes from that, and it was really fun to see today when the offense and defense were going against each other. Even no tackling, the defense was blitzing a lot at the end, and they were getting home a lot. I think the last two-minute drill ended on three straight sacks, all on blitzes. Um, Shout out to Oh, I'm going to butcher this name, but Joel Iagbunue, the second... Iagbunue. my bad. Um, the, the second year inside linebacker was getting some reps with the ones. Um, they were just rotating guys through and had two straight sacks on blitzes off the edge, which was uh, nice to see for him. Definitely a quick and athletic player. Quick and athletic was the name of the game for Iagbunue, which I think that's the first time I've pronounced that correctly, so thank you, EJ. Uh, but... I got the chance to watch uh, Way just a little bit. He's a player that I know I'm interested in, especially with Trevathan's contract situation coming due uh, this next season. But he looked quick and fast, much better than last year. We'll have to see whether it's able to translate into padded practice. We'll have to see how he plays inside linebacker. Very mental position, but he's always given us the impression that he's a smart kid. So the quickness and speed that we were able to see with him, admittedly in some of the special teams drills, as well as the 11-on-11, it was was nice because he did stand out from an athletic position. Also, Jeff, I know uh, you you were taking over the... Teaching every or telling everybody what training camp was like. Do you want to tell the story of what got the crowd most excited today? Well, I think that the early answer was anytime Tariq Cohen touched the ball, <laughs> he is clearly a crowd favorite. 
and he's just electric to see. He's a spark plug, and they're consistently going to him early. Uh, people were watching him shag punts and were cheering him catching the ball on a punt. So, like, he is absolutely a crowd favorite, and that's great to see because I really like him a lot. But I think what you're referring to is the kicking competition. That is what I'm referring to. And uh, Mr. Elliot Fry was at center stage today. He wears number eight, but uh, he was eight for eight in the uh, in the, the the practice kicks that he was making. Started off basically extra point range, and then moved all the way back. Finished with a 60-yard kick that cleared the crossbar by. Uh, maybe four inches, so that's good that we found his range. Uh, <laughs> and I've never seen a group of people in such rapt attention. Like it was just everybody just was quiet and was just staring at the field because we clearly know the kicker was an issue last year, and and this whole fan base is rallied behind somebody. Please just make kicks. And EJ and I were watching this together, and they all went through. A few of them were kind of popped up. Uh, not exactly driven through. I mean, it counts when they go through. But there was a couple kicks that he really was able to put on a line and looked pretty impressive. And, and if he can consistently find that uh, leg swing, he's going to have a chance to win this job and, and hopefully be successful in the year. Yeah, uh, from what I heard uh, on Twitter, I found it out later because EJ, Jeff, and I were all standing in the same place. Fry may have missed one of the earlier kicks. Uh, apparently he was 7 for 8 after the drill, but the earlier kicks were the shorter ones. He made up for it with the distance kicks, which, let's be honest, Bears fans, that's what we need out of a kicker, is somebody who can make it from distance, and then, obviously, we would hope that that would translate back short. Fry has always been a kicker who, throughout his career, has made those shorter kicks, so I'm willing to take some losses in practice if he's going to attempt 8 kicks in a row from that shorter range if he's going to end up making or like making some kicks in the longer range and I'm pretty sure he came back on later for two more kicks and knocked both of those through too. So end of the day roughly 9 for 10 uh, which is what you want to hear out of a franchise who's in a tailspin at the kicker position. Yeah, from our vantage point it's not exactly easy to see when they go through and I was wearing sunglasses. They weren't rose tinted, but I, I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> so I guess I gave him the extra extra credit there for making them all. Uh, but I, you know, personally, like I am not as obsessed with this kicker competition, uh, a lot like other people. And EJ, you actually said something at lunch that I liked um, uh, about the kicker position. Yeah, so we were talking about what we wanted out of a kicker, and we were sort of going around the table, and people were saying, "I want this" or "I want that." And I said, "You know what? I want out of a kicker. I just want a kicker that kicks the ball and sends it through the uprights. That's all I want. I don't care if they're big, short, small, big school, small school, veteran, rookie." I don't, I don't really care. Just do the one thing that your job implies, which is kick the ball and put it through the uprights a good percentage of the time. No kicker's going to make all of them, but there's, a, there's been a lot of hue and cry. There's been a lot of roster movement around this. There's obviously an attention paid to it. It was a very odd scene. Throughout most of the rest of practice, certainly people were shouting, calling out plays and players and trying to get attention. But when the kicking... I'm not even going to say competition. When the kicking started on the field, everybody got quiet. It was almost reverent. Most people stood up, and everybody concentrated. Like, the talking stopped. It was incredibly odd. I understood it, but I, it was a marked difference from the rest of practice, and that just speaks to how much the kicking situation's played into the franchise of late. 
and it was hilarious. Like every time that they would make a kick, even like the 30, 35 yarders at the start, the whole crowd would cheer like they had just made it against the Eagles and won the playoff game. Like, man, it's a preseason, like training camp practice. Let, let's take this down a notch or two here. But I guess, you know, in, in a way that's some sort of pressure like Nagy was trying to generate. So in that sense, it's probably a good thing. Bears fans are just ridiculously excited about their kicker. Uh, it'll be curious to see who who does win the job. Pinheiro didn't kick it all today. Whether the Bears pick up anybody else, whether there's new names that are going to enter this competition. But, hey, I'm, I totally get where you're coming from, EJ. I think that there's a lot of truth in that, that to quite a degree, I would rather worry about Trubisky, Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, the other defensive superstars who I could list, but the list is long enough. Then learn or then list off kickers and punters and all the special teams jargon. And your counterpoint about it was great. You know, wouldn't it be cooler if we just didn't need the kicker at all and we scored a ton of <laughs> touchdowns this year? And that's quite possible. Looking at the offense and the variety of weapons, we know Matt Nagy's going to employ them in some very creative ways. There are just so many players upon players. There's the first level and the second level, and even some players into the third team that have real skills that. Nagy could scheme for so even if injuries hit this team the offensive firepower isn't going away we saw Ryan Pace at the fence at the end of the day somebody said oh it's the guy that saved the Bears and I think there's a lot of truth to that there's the architect statement right and this roster is loaded and the offense particularly has layers upon layers in ways that it never has so wouldn't it be cool if we didn't need the kicker and they just kept scoring touchdowns yeah and I think with that offensive line, I, I got to tell you, just to shout out some love there, they look impressive and they hang out together. They walk from one drill to another together. And it's one of those things where they start lining up in the same positions that they are on the field. And it, it's really fun to see an offensive line really coalesce. And I, I'm super excited that Daniels is the center now. And I think this line is just really put together. They look impressive. Uh, even Daniels looks just a little bit more muscular than he did last year. So he got in the weight room, kind of changed his body composition just a little bit. But they're big. They're talented. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch those guys. That's kind of my like happy takeaway more than anything was just like seeing these guys finally have this unit uh, in the right places and uh, kind of want to go around and just see what it is you want to see out of the rest of the camp while we're here um, and uh, any final thoughts you guys want to share. Yeah, well, hitting starts tomorrow. I'm very excited to see that. Padded practice, come on. We'll get to see uh, all those hits that got pulled up today completed, and that'll be pretty interesting. But I really want to see a lot of the more of the young guys. We watched a lot of them on special teams today, and I want to see some of those guys that people get excited about, the bottom of the roster candidates that, if we're being honest, the top of this roster is pretty well set. I would say 45 players deep is pretty well decided right now at this time so there's gonna be a lot of churn but i want to i want to take a better look at those bottom spots and see of the guys we had hope for who's actually actualizing that and might be a chance for either bottom of the 53 on the long shot or a solid practice squatter so one thing that's funny about training camp certainly is that it isn't game film not really it's game film for some players like for instance i'm sure steven denmark is out there trying his absolute best the guys who want to make the team, this is their moment. And so you can watch them and really get a sense for who they are as a player. That said, while I love watching it, I don't need to see Anthony Miller burn anybody else. Because while Bears fans, he was doing plenty of that in practice. At this point, 
he's ready. He's as good as he needs to be from a training camp standpoint. We just need to see him do it against the Packers in week one. So what I guess I want to see as we keep going in training camp, I want to see more of, uh, I already forgot, EA Booneyway. I want to see more out of him because he is an important piece, fourth-round pick uh, going forward. I want to see more out of Deion Bush so that I can figure out really who he is. Not that I think he's like really great, but he was out there a lot today. A lot of Deion Bush. And he was he was picked on quite a bit uh, when it came to people throwing the ball. He was the first tackler to people, which is usually how I certainly determine where he's supposed to be in coverage. He's a safety, so it's a lot more complicated. Valuing safeties are weird. But I want to see more of Deion Bush to know whether that's going to be a problem or not. I want to see more out of Denmark. I didn't really get the chance to see him much. Just didn't find him. I want to track his development. Certainly the athletic case that he is is interesting. And this is the weird one, but it is something that I care a lot about. I want to see special teams work. I hope they do a lot of special teams work tomorrow, because once those pads get on, that was the weakest area of the Bears last year. Not just Cody Parkey, but also we gave up a a bunch of big punt returns. We gave up that kick return against the Patriots that was the difference. Not literally. There were a lot of things that were the difference in the Patriot game. But we lost by seven, and a kick return is seven points. I would like to see more of that. I want to figure out who on this roster has special team skills, because I'll go ahead and tell you now, Bears fans, it didn't look like it was Marvin Hall. So who is going to be that player? Where is the roster going to shape itself out? Are we going to carry as many receivers as we have in the past? Because we don't have Josh Bellum anymore. So that means that one of them would have to actually stand out on special teams. Special teams in general is something that I'm really, really excited to watch more of and very focused on. Honestly, the main thing I want to see is see them staying healthy. This team is primed for a Super Bowl run, but, you know, God forbid, like, Khalil Mack tears his ACL in practice or something like that. That can change in a hurry. So they had a few guys out today, but nobody, like, super important. Probably HaHa Clinton Dix, the only, like, starter that wasn't out there. I'd like to see that stay in place, just keep guys healthy. Uh, besides that, I'm just curious to see they've got a lot of rookies who are second or third string right now, but with a chance to move up. That's kind of how it usually goes. They start them behind the veterans and give them a chance to earn their spots, and I'm curious to see what guys can do that. Yeah, and I think going forward, I want to watch the line play. I just want to watch these pass rush moves and see if some of these developmental guys have taken that next step and how these offensive linemen can handle that. I want to watch... Alex Bars and see how he looks. You know, I saw him a little gimpy after some drills, and I think that there's a pretty good chance that he finds his way onto the injured list before too much longer, just to kind of shelter him from that. And I want to mention one guy that I'm surprised didn't come up, but um, we were all pretty impressed with, (laughs) which was Ryan Nall. He looked pretty good. And uh, it's just a guy that's kind of been lost in the shuffle here of the running back room, but I kind of want to see what he looks like in pads. He looked good in shorts. And so, you know, uh, he moves well, and let's see what he looks like when contact comes on. And he's, I'm sure, going to get some looks because he was certainly um, in the mix uh, early. He got a lot of work, uh, and we talked a lot about this. He's an improved player. He had a lot of skills coming out of Oregon State. He made some big plays in the preseason last year. People were clamoring for him to be kept or have a feature role. And his feet are notably faster this year. So he's always had the power and the speed. He's been kind of a one-cut-and-gone kind of a guy. But he's got good size, and his feet look markedly improved. His balance is where it was before, but he's getting his feet down a lot quicker. 
And even compared to some of the other running backs, I would put him in the middle of that running back group in terms of foot quickness, and it's a it's a very quick group. So it, I think the arrow's pointing up on Ryan Nall. Pretty interesting. All right, let's uh, f- finish out by talking about the beer. And actually, um, probably the perfect beer for uh, after hot practice. So I appreciate you bringing this up. Uh, again, it's a Blood and Honey from... Revolver Brewing out of Dallas. So next that's not the most Texan thing you've heard. Mm-hmm. Then I want you to give me the better name. Yeah, Blood and Honey. So that's uh, it's quite the yeah quite the name. Seven seven percent um, alcohol by volume. Uh, very very drinkable. Definitely taste a little bit of weed in it, and the blood orange is there for that little citrusy sort of finish. But it's it's not overwhelming. It's not. I would definitely not call it a fruity beer. Um, so yeah, very drinkable. Uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks for bringing it. Of course, happy to. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Your work can be found. Yeah, you can find me on Bear's blog uh, or uh, on Twitter, Jonathan underscore Wood One. And tomorrow we're going to be joined by the man, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. The and boss. So we will come back with another four-person podcast after tomorrow's uh, after tomorrow's practice with Lester and EJ. You want to get us out of here? Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow Jeff at Gridironborn. You can follow Robert Robert K. Schmitz. That's it. Uh, myself, you can find at the Draftsman FB, as in football, and the podcast at Bears Over Beers. So they're all pretty easy to find. Um, Twitter will be flooded uh, from Bears Twitter for the next several days. Lots of people there. We ran into several folks in Bears mm-hmm. Twitter, took pictures with them. Uh, which is great. Sat with some of them for practice. It's always great to hear their opinions as well. So stay glued to Bears Twitter if you can't be here in Bourbon A. Lots of information coming out. Great time of year to be a fan. I think that's my general takeaway is that really a ton of enthusiasm, a ton of fans today. People showed out for this team. Everybody's excited. Everybody's positive, and that's just a great place to be as a fan. So keep it locked here for the next couple of days. We'll be bringing you pods after each of the practices. And until then, bear down. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.